the rivalry is back on. One percent better every day, and one and zero. The set is the quarterback lined up behind center, takes a snap, going for a home run deep downfield, looking for T.Y. Hilton. Hilton makes the catch. He's in the 10, 5, doubles in the end zone, touchdown. Colts coming with pressure off the edge. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Welcome back to the Bring the Juice podcast. On with me now, special guest from the fan in Indianapolis, Kevin Bowen. Kevin, how are you doing? Doing great, Cody. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. I know we were, Kevin, we were talking off air a little bit. Um, you were at that Pacer game last night. Man, just talk to me a little bit before we get into the subject we want to talk about today. Talk about that crowd and that environment, man, with, with Victor Oladipo's return. <laughs> you know, Wednesday, late January Wednesday games against the team outside of the playoff race. They don't garner a whole lot of uh, environment or, or a high level of, uh, of an atmosphere, but that game last night felt like a playoff game, you know, and just the anticipation of seeing Victor Oladipo come back. And I felt like every time he shot it, you just had this kind of, you know, big gasp from the crowd, just almost pleading for the ball to go in because they wanted a reason to erupt and knowing that their best player was, was back from such a horrific injury. And then for him to hit the shot that he did with, you know, less than 15 seconds to go, it was a, uh, Pretty good script for uh, for Victor Oladipo in his first game back. And it'll be a fun, you know, final three-ish months of the season for the Pacers just to see this uh, this group that's overachieved so far uh, continue to mesh now that their uh, best player is uh, back and healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other Indianapolis team that, that you cover, Kevin, uh, the Colts, um, you've been kind of pretty vocal about your opinion on, you know, just the whole idea of, you know, Chris Ballard and his first couple of years here as GM – um, kind of how he's approached free agency and also, you know, how much pressure, I guess, before we start on that, kind of talking about how much pressure, you know, it puts on Ballard and company to hit on those draft picks. Because, I mean, they're not really, you know, when you think of those top free agents in the last couple of years, I mean, beyond Justin Houston, and, and you could maybe throw Devin Funches in there potentially, the Colts really have not been there at, as far as like trying to bring in and I guess signing and bringing in some of those players, the, you know, some of the key players that you think, oh, this guy could go to the Colts. Um, but, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit today, Kevin, about that free agency approach. And, you know, the last couple of years, obviously, Chris Ballard outside of 2017, he's, he's had Andrew Luck, or at least in his mind, had Andrew Luck as his starting quarterback. And now this is the first year that Chris Ballard, uh, in Chris Ballard's tenure, that, you know, there's really no possibility that he has Andrew Luck for the next season. Um, and so I kind of want to talk about his free agency approach and your kind of thoughts on, you know, should it change and why do you think it should change or not change? Yeah, I think, it, you know, um, and I've, I've mentioned this several times, but I think it should change. Um, you know, I understand where Chris Bauer is coming from. And, and I, I do believe, you know, when you're talking about your core and especially kind of, you know, the top five or ten players on your roster – you know, when the majority of those guys can come from the draft, that is that is great. That's great for, you know, building team chemistry, culture, uh, letting those guys grow together, uh, kind of rewarding your own. Um, if guys have success in your own, you know, building and in your own environment, I think they're naturally going to be inclined to want to resign with you and, and enjoy 
their time in whatever city that you're in. So I, I understand that. Um, but at the same time, I think in today's NFL, using free agency as another way to build your roster, not as big of a way as the draft, but again, as a way that, you know, maybe a little bit more than just supplements your, your roster. I think that's a route that you've seen virtually every team get to the Super Bowl um, go ahead and use. And the Colts just have not used free agency to the degree that um, I think they should have, you know, here, especially I would, I would say mostly over the last two off seasons. That first offseason for Ballard, I mean, he, he signed over 10 free agents. I mean, it was a total, total mm-hmm. overhaul of what he did, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but the last two years, it just hasn't been to that degree. And I know last year, I mean, they were involved with C.J. Mosley and Landon Collins and, and looked into those things, but, you know, did not want to go ahead and follow through on that. And, and like you said, signed Devin Funches, signed Justin Houston. Um, but I still thought there was, a, there was an opportunity to maybe get another name or two into your building. I think Ballard admitted after the off season, you know, a a bit of, you know, he didn't say he regretted his lack of activity in free agency, but when you hear him say, you know, there wasn't enough depth on the roster and I take blame for that. And we didn't have enough veteran leadership. And he singles out, you know, Mike Mitchell and Al Woods, two free agents that he did not bring back. You know, that to me obviously indicates that, that, um, you know, they didn't do enough on the open market, given the cap space that they had. And now if you look at this off season, you aren't, you know, you don't have the quarterback under contract for a mega deal. If you look at total resources, you know, outside of the, you know, Miami Dolphins, no team has, you know, better resources and cap space and and draft picks than the Colts. So um, I think they will spend a little bit more in free agency. And I think it's needed to uh, try to get this roster back to being at a, uh, you know, really kind of at a top eight, level which I don't even think it was at last year even when they made the final eight I thought they got thought they overachieved a little bit last year and uh you know down the stretch um the schedule got a bit favorable for them and they still I mean still winning nine of ten or whatever it ended up being is is a um was a tremendous feat but I don't think we ever looked at last year's roster and thought you know maybe with luck yeah but I think he covered up still a lot of it um, from the standpoint that I, I just didn't feel like last year's roster was a final eight sort of playoff caliber roster. Yeah. And, and you know, speaking of, you know, there's a couple of points I wanted to touch on, but, you know, speaking of, you know, Ballard talking about the veteran leadership, where do you kind of stand Kevin on the whole veteran leadership versus talent level? Because I mean, he's mentioning these guys, Mike Mitchell, Al Woods. I mean, none of these guys, I mean, Al Woods, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, Mike Mitchell, I mean, he had the what defensive player of the week one week, but you know Al Woods got benched. So, like, where do you stand on the whole talent versus leadership kind of thing? And and what do you think the Colts should do um, when they're trying to figure out that balance if they bring in some free agents this off season? Well, I think it's a great question, and like you said, Al Woods is benched, and you know when you're healthy at safety, Mike Mitchell wasn't really on the field much. So um, there is a balance. I also think there's the ability to. You know, if you can get a higher end talent, that player can naturally lead a little bit with just how good of a player he is. I think Justin Houston is one of those guys. I don't think he's a very vocal leader. I know that he breaks down the huddle pregames and things like that, but I just don't think he's a very boisterous sort of voice. But at the end of the day, that guy's track record from a pro bowler is pretty proven and he's a double digit sack guy. And I think that leads in that room with a lot, a lot of young faces that need to be developed. So, you know, I, I'm not looking at, you know, just spending money 
strictly to get leaders in your building because uh, I do think there's a fine line between too much culture and not enough talent. So um, mm-hmm. you, you, you have to find that balance, certainly. But when you have $95 million and you look at the offseason, you know, the Costanzo Domino w- could very well, you know, take a chunk of that money. But outside of that, there's not one free agent on that list that you look at as a must resign. You can make cases, I think, on both sides of it for, you know, probably the next five or six names on that free agent list. It's something I've written about on 107.5thefan.com. And then you get into extensions. And, you know, Ryan Kelly probably deserves a new one. Marlon Mack, I, I think, deserves a new one. Outside of those two names, I don't think you're standing on a table really for anybody else. So what I'm getting yeah. at is the $95 million, you know, let's let's say $30 million goes to Costanzo slash extension. You know, maybe 40, 40-ish goes to Costanzo, extensions, and maybe a free agent or two. And that still leaves a ton of money go ahead and spend on the open market. And there are, in my mind, there are some really, really good fits, um, especially along the defensive line that I think the Colts would be wise to look into in free agency. Yeah. And you just mentioned that's kind of segues into my next question here for you, Kevin, you kind of mentioned some of those names that you think would be good potential fits for the Colts and free agency. You know, obviously the Colts, um, they have the draft capital to draft some, some positions of need, um, but you can also supplement that in free agency. And you mentioned some of these players. Who are some of those high-end, I guess, positions? And then if you have some certain players who you think would be good fits for the Colts in free agency? Well, you know, I guess let's just start with quarterback. I, I'm not that gung-ho on finding a quarterback in free agency. I'm kind of more of a team draft, a mm-hmm. a quarterback. So I, I cross that off the list. Running back I don't think needs to be used either. When you look at wideout, you know, I think Amari Cooper is probably the, the biggest name. I know Emmanuel Sanders is on the open market, a little bit older um, for for me there. I mean, I know A.J. Green's been a name thrown around a little bit. Um, you know, you definitely worry about the injury situation. But, you know, he might be a name at least to look into. But that's a little bit more of a stopgap considering – I think he's maybe he's definitely over the age of 30. I want to say he's like around 32 years old. And then, of course, what's your dominant going to be with a guy like Devin Funches? You know, that, that, that's a guy that I felt like um, internally the Colts could bring back. Does Funches want to come back is probably probably another question. Um, you know, Robbie Anderson from the Jets, you know, it's kind of always been this bit of an intriguing talent that, you know, do teams kind of fully believe in, do the Jets fully believe in him as inconsistent quarterback play, you know, they are New York held him back. Um, you know, from a tight end standpoint, I know Hunter Henry has kind of been a popular name thrown around there. If I'm not mistaken. I think Austin Hooper is a free agent as well. So I might be a little bit more of a draft to tight end, but I think, you know, looking at the free agent market, um, would make sense as well. You know, maybe you can cross off that need before the draft. Offensive tackle, again, agency would only offer really a stopgap. I don't think it would offer kind of a definite long-term fix there. Um, mm. And then and then the defensive line, I mean, that's where I really, really like, you know, whether you're talking about Jadavian Clowney or Chris Jones or, I um, mean, you know, I know Yannick Ngakwe maybe isn't the rundown fit guy, but um, he's still a guy that I think can, you know, give you tremendous presence on third down. Derek Wolf's been a name thrown around there. Um, 
feel like I'm forgetting somebody else on that defensive line that I like. Uh, but that's a group that I think in general, there are a few names and, and there's different tiers of names. And I think that's something that, that the Colts would be wise to look into because we know full well, there's been times where they've made a move on the first day of free agency, but it's a guy like Danico Autry who, who, you know, maybe mm-hmm. isn't, you know, is it like a Malik Collins from Dallas? You know, is, is that the sort of name? Um, that that ends up being you know part of a defensive line class because I do think you're getting a little bit older up front. So um, yeah, the, the, those are some some names that have popped into my head. Would you resign Jabal Sheard? I would. Yeah, I would. Um, now again, with the caveat of you got to make sure you look into free agency and and see if you can upgrade there. But yeah, I think when you look at his rundown presence and also. I know he missed the first few games of the season, but he's been really durable. I mean, it's kind of crazy since Chris Ballard came here in 2011. Jabal Sheard has started 11 more games than any other defensive player on the Colts. Mm. That's a lot of games in just three years. So, I mean, Sheard has done a lot for this franchise in a three-year span. And again, I go to the rundown presence. Kamoko Turi is not a three-down player right now. I think he's got a ton of ability on third down, but he's not going to give you much on first or second down right now. And he's coming back from a serious injury. And Ben Banigou, what we saw from him as a rookie is, you know, maybe not quite the, um, the definitely not the third down presence that Turi showed this past year. But I, I don't think you look at him. I mean, you were talking about him being a linebacker at one point. So I don't think you even have, um, you know, a, a great feel for him on rundowns either. So that's where I look back to first and second down. You look within your division of a Fournette or, or Derrick Henry. I mean, those are two teams that, that want to run the football. Uh, that's where I think Sheard's presence can come into play. And then I also think he is a bit of a quiet leader. Um, you know, he, he's, I think he's been the team's man of the year. I know that the staff really, really respects him as well. So um, I would probably bring, bring him back on a, on a, a short-term deal. Uh, but still, having said that, even if you do that, you, you, you need to fully look into free agency. And maybe it's something where you look into free agency, you see what's out there. And if you find a guy or two and don't feel like you need Sheard anymore, then uh, then you go ahead and uh, move on. Yeah, I mean, you also mentioned, Kevin, it's a two-way street with free agents. It's not like you just – it's not like Madden where the, the highest – you know, it, it's just – it's different with the NFL. <laughs> It's not like you can't just offer the very best contract. And, you know, it's like they also want to have to want to come and play here. Um, and so that's obviously something to factor in. You know, that even with Devin Funch, just like you mentioned, like, I mean, let's be real. Like the reason he signed here, the reason Eric Ebron signed here a couple of years ago is because they wanted to play with Andrew Luck. And now Andrew Luck's no longer here, obviously. So, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of factors. Um, what are the, what is kind of the, the ideal number of free agents you think you would be satisfied with? You know, the Colts signed two last year. I know you mentioned your pod. Uh, you know, you'd like to see a few more than that. What's the kind of an ideal number for you that you would like to see the Colts bring in um, in when free agency co- opens up this, uh, this spring? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. I haven't really given too much thought to an actual number. Um, you know, when you look at Funches and you look at Houston, I consider those guys – um, high-level free agents, mainly in terms of price tag. Now, we can obviously debate mm-hmm. Devin Funches' career and, and where it's been so far. But, again, in terms of price tag, I mean, he probably received – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm guessing 
you know, a top five payment in terms of an outside wideout last year. Again, that's high level to me. So if you're talking high level, I would say three name that mm. I go with or the number that I go with. Um, again, the dominoes with your own free agents will dictate some of that. But I would say, yeah, right around three, I, I would – I would say closer, you know, closer to four than two would be my liking, but you know, for, for the Colts and, and again, just how the dominoes work in free agency, because you bring up a good point, Cody. And the fact of you no longer have the ultimate closer, that's Andrew Luck. Like people want to play with Andrew Luck. It doesn't matter if they're a long snapper or if they're a wide out, they want to play with Andrew Luck. Well, the Colts no longer have that. And yeah, you can say Ryan Gregson and Chuck Pagano, this and that, Okay, you know when free agents came in the building, the Colts, you know Colts often, you know, were able to you know, finish off those those contracts and and able to sign those guys. Well, that's because they had an extremely talented quarterback that was on you know his his rookie contract, and that's no longer the case. So I think that makes things a little bit difficult as well. And what also makes it difficult is just you know the Colts have a clear line that they set on free agents. And when Landon Collins and C.J. Mosley go past that, that line, they're not willing to break off of that. And, and, and that's the debate that I think a lot of fans have of, you know, free agency is a lot of, yes, your B-plus players get A money and C-plus players get B money, but that's just the market. You know, that's just how business works, especially early on in free agency. And so is there a willingness to maybe just loosen that a little bit. Chris Ballard hasn't really shown much of that, but, you know, does a seven to nine season when you brought back 20 to 22 starters, you know, and, and it was one of the easier schedules, um, definitely in the AFC South. And, 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 you know, I think easier than we thought in general coming into the season, does that maybe change his philosophy or just alter it? You know, change is probably too aggressive, but just maybe alter it a little bit. Absolutely. Last question for you, Kevin. I know uh, he said it was a late night, so you're probably just going to get home and take a nap. Um, so you mentioned kind of last, you know, Chris Ballard kind of talked about this in his, you know, season ending press conference about the team not being held accountable. Um, like players not holding other players accountable, you know, looking there, sitting there at a five and two record and kind of getting ahead of themselves a little bit. And he kind of mentioned that as a reason why the team kind of, you know, really had a had struggled at the end of the year. Um, you know, from what you've heard, you um, you know you you work with the culture in the complex pretty much every day. W- what did you kind of take from that press conference from Ballard's words? What do you think was not being held accountable in that locker room for Ballard to say that? Well, I think when Ballard referenced that, it's the internal accountability of teammate to teammate. You know, you always hear kind of that phrase that coaches love. You know, do we have the player accountability? You know, and that is again within the locker room of okay, I'm Quentin Nelson in the locker room, and I don't feel like whatever, Quincy Wilson or someone else is working hard. Do you have the players that, you know, call out is an aggressive term, but not afraid to let that guy know, hey, that's not how we do things, or we need to do it this way, or, you know, we need to meet this sort of standard when it comes to a work ethic, a preparation, just in general, a professionalism standpoint. Um, So I I think that's where – he means it. And this is something that I've talked about before on my podcast. You know, when you talk about local leaders for the Colts, I'm not sure how many that they have. You know, 
these guys lead in ways, but you know, in terms of being one of your best players and also being a vocal leader, I just am not sure if like Hilton or Nelson or, you know, Leonard probably to a degree, but I, I just don't see a lot of like, I don't know, Russell Wilson esque, you know, sort of like, wow, you know, that guy is very vocal, plays the most important position on the team. And you know, he's going to garner a lot of respect as well. So I, th- I think that's what he was getting at a little bit. Um, you know, now, you know, level of it, when you talk about accountability, I am of the belief, and Chris Boward would definitely disagree with this, and Frank Reich would as well, that those two lack some accountability with how they handled the Adam Vinatieri situation and just their unwillingness to really make any changes on that kicking unit. You know, because, yes, some of those missed kicks were not entirely on Adam Vinatieri's right leg, um, but you were a historically bad unit and the refusal to make any changes, there's no accountability there. You're accepting the fact that that level, that consistent poor play, and so I am curious, just if you gave that locker room a little bit of truth serum, what their thoughts would be on that as well. Um, but I think specifically with Ballard's comments, it's just guys that, that know that, okay, this is the level of preparation, work ethic, uh, professionalism again that needs to be practiced daily um, in order to you know meet the sort of lofty standards that this organization has and, and should have in terms of sustained success. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Kevin, again for joining us. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as this offseason goes along how the Colts approach free agency and how that impacts them. And also monitoring the Anthony Costanzo situation, because that's obviously a huge domino that you talked about. So, um, well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it as always, man. I hope you have a great night. Um, thanks, for, thanks for your insight. Thanks for your input. It's always appreciated. Yeah, definitely. It was great. Great catching up, Cody, and we'll have to do it again soon. All right. Take care.